0: What's up, Movement Church? We're so glad you're with us. I got my friend, who's also my daughter, Avery Lane Robinson with us today. Oh man, fan club. You got, got... more applause than whoa, you. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Settle down. I'll kick you off my stage. No, we're just so glad <laughs> that you decided to tune in. And we want to just say a special hello, a little shout out to some watch parties today. I want to say hello to my friends, Nick and Noemi Marsh and your watch party. Woo! Come on. Give it up for yourself for being awesome with your watch party. Who else do we want to say hi to? Josh and Shayna Newman. Come on. And their watch party. What's up to the Newman watch party? <laughs> say what? up? What up? And listen, I want to say hello to Michael and Judy Calderon's watch party up in the north. Say, we the north. That's right. We got three different zones. We got the north, central, and south, and watch parties happening all over the place. There's some of you that are watching, maybe on your own, on your phone, or whatever. We want to encourage you to get into a watch party. It's Come awesome. On. Tell them why we need watch parties, Avery, but you got to hold that mic close to your mouth. There it is. <laughs> okay, so I feel like when we're gathering and worshiping the Lord, that the atmosphere just changes and you realize that it's the presence of god you just have this feeling of peace and like knowing that he's always going to be by your side even if you're stuck in quarantine (laughs) it's just it feels so good that's right come on can we give it up for the preacher She told me, she said, I said, Avery, what do you want to do when you grow up? She said, I want your job, so you're going to have to figure something else out. So give it up for my daughter, Avery. Come on, one more time. You may have a seat. Put your mask on quickly, but we'll kick you out of the family. Man, I'm so glad that you're with us, and I want to encourage you to jump into a watch party. Something happens when we gather together. Uh, the presence of God shows up. And, and some of you don't feel safe with that. and That's okay. Stay connected online. Jump onto oh, an after party on Zoom and make sure you stay connected because God is doing something awesome. Listen, you are in the fight of your life. And, but you're fighting from a position of victory. You may feel like you're knocked down, but you ain't knocked out. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Come on, you ain't never gonna keep me down. I stop it. That's enough of that. Listen, you're in the fight of your life, but you're fighting for joy, fighting for faith, fighting for hope. And we believe that God is on your side, which means you are victorious. Turn to somebody. And say, "You are victorious." Turn to somebody else and say, not so much. No, I'm kidding. Say, you're victorious. Come on, say it. No, no, say it a little louder. Turn to somebody and say, you're victorious. Come on. Listen, we are in the middle of a series called Public Service Announcement, and we're just kind of looking through different Bible characters in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and encouraging each other because we want to remind you that you are freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah! studio audience, you are freaking awesome. No, Really? Turn to somebody and say, you're freaking awesome. freaking awesome. I lost my studio audience. I got real quiet I, mean, I want to dive into a biblical character that you probably heard of. His name is David. Somebody say David. <laughs> somebody type David. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, and I want to talk about that story, but I I don't even want to focus in on the part about Goliath. I want to talk about the things leading up to the story of David and Goliath, and if this was a movie, the scene would be set. There would be this uh, helicopter camera flight over this valley, and you would see two armies depicted. One on either side, one representing the army of the Lord and the other representing the army of evil. And Look at what the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says this, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley in between. And there came out from the camp of the philistines a champion named goliath of gath you've heard the name goliath everyone knows the name goliath if you're old enough you remember a television show called davy and goliath and this is the guy he shows up goliath of gath whose height was six cubits and a span let me just tell you what that means This sucker was nine and a half feet tall, two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal. His armor weighed 125 pounds, and the entire army of the Israelites were in fear. Check out what it says in verse eight. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? They were dismayed and greatly afraid. The title of my message today is Mountains to Molehills. Somebody say Mountains to Molehills. Mountains, Mountains to, to Molehills. Mole we're gonna look at the life of David, and I wanna give you three thoughts. But before we do that, I wanna pray for us. And I don't know what you're up against today. You might feel like you are on the mountainside, and the battle's before you, and a giant is standing there defying your God, defying your purpose, defying your future. And you might feel like you're on the losing side, but I wanna remind you, you're not. You are created to win. We're gonna look at the life of David and see what God did in and through him and see how it relates to us. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you're moving in a powerful way. We look to you right now and ask for strength. God, there's somebody watching today who feels like giving up, who feels like it's over, who feels like there's no hope, who feels like they're on the mountainside of a battlefield, standing and looking at a giant with no bright future ahead. But, God, we thank you that the greatest days of our life are still ahead of us. So we look to you as our champion. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Oh, let's try that again. And everybody said, Amen. And that just means I agree. I want to look at three thoughts in the life of David. Now, listen, you know the story of David and Goliath. You've probably heard it before. Maybe you have an idea of how this works. And I'm sure you're thinking about uh, the three giants uh, and uh, the points of my message that I might be making today. But no, I don't want to talk so much today about what happened when David faced Goliath. I want to talk about what happened before David faced Goliath. So if this was a movie, we see the scene open up to the battlefield in the mountainside. With the valley in between. But now let's rewind the tape. Let's look back into the past and see what took place with David. And the point number one that I want to encourage you with is this David was dismissed, but not disqualified. Somebody type not disqualified. He was dismissed but he was not disqualified. We find our, our, our civilization in, in biblical times, we find two different governments working with the children of Israel, or two different portions of government. The first would be the king, and his name was Saul, and he ruled the people, but here's the problem. He fell from grace, and God said, I'm done with you. He stopped being obedient to who God was, but the second type of government for the Israelites in those times was the prophet. And the prophet represents like Congress and Senate. And even though he did not have the authority to make decisions on behalf of the people, he spoke on behalf of God. So when the prophet would show up, the people would listen. And the prophet at this time, his name was Samuel. And he was both political and spiritual influence. And God comes to Samuel and he says, hey, Saul has disobeyed me. He's the king, but I'm done with him. And I want you to anoint a new king. And he sends Samuel on this covert mission to Bethlehem. Somebody say Bethlehem. 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 To Bethlehem to anoint this new king. Now check this out. Samuel shows up in, the, in Bethlehem and the Bible says that the elders of the city came out to meet him and they were freaked out. When the prophet showed up, it was a huge, it was huge. It was a huge deal. So big that they were like, okay, what's going on, Samuel? Are you here with good news or with bad news? And he says, no, I came to make a sacrifice to God. And he tells the elders, consecrate yourselves. But then he does this thing. He turns to a man named Jesse Jesse was an elder in the city, and he says, Hey, you and your family come out to the sacrifice. I want you to consecrate yourselves because God's going to do something awesome. Now, what they didn't know was that Samuel was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the king. And look at what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. Jesse's family shows up with Samuel. This is a big deal, remember, the prophet shows up. Which means that, man, hey, we gotta push pause on everything else that's happening. Something huge is about to take place. Samuel says, Jesse, bring out all of your family before me. And in verse six, it says, when they came, he being Samuel looked on Eliab. Somebody say Eliab. Eliab. That's a horrible name. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Jesse brings out his sons and the oldest comes before him first. And Samuel's like, this has got to be the future king. He looked at his appearance, he looked at his stature and he thought, this must be the future king, but the scripture goes on in verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. This is important. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God has a different measuring stick. He doesn't measure you or I by the things that we measure ourselves. He doesn't compare us to each other. He looks at us in, through the lens of two different things. Number one, through the lens of what Jesus did for us. Right. Jesus looked at our lives and said, yep, you're worth it. I'm giving up everything for you. Jesus died specifically for you. So when God looks at you, he sees the work that Jesus did on the Calvary, on the cross, which means that Jesus died for all of your sin, all of your shame, which means that when God looks at you, he sees perfection. He sees a creation. The other thing that he looks though is to see is your heart surrendered to him. And this is challenging. So God looks at us through the lens of what Jesus did and have we said yes to him? All we need is a surrendered heart and God's like, "Yep, you're qualified. You're qualified. You don't have to have a great heritage. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have a a great track record. It doesn't matter how bad your past is. God says, "Hey, are you surrendered? You're qualified." You're qualified. And so we come back to the story and we see Samuel looking for the next king. All of Jesse's sons are standing before him and he looks at these kids and he's like, What's, what's the deal? I mean, where, where's the new anointed? Where's the next king? And Samuel says to Jesse, and Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel in verse 10. He said, all, I've got all my kids. I'm going to have them pass before you, Samuel. But he didn't have all of his kids there because Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to him, are all of your sons here? So the prophet of God shows up and he shows up to anoint the next king. He says, Jesse, bring out your family. And Jesse brings out seven of his sons, but he saves one who's been dismissed. And Samuel knows it. He says, "Are, are all of your sons here? Have you ever felt like you're overlooked? Have you ever felt like Everyone else had opportunities that you had been hoping and praying for? Have you ever seen somebody else uh, accomplish or arrive at a dream that you've had? Have you ever been in a place where you just wondered, God, will it ever be my turn? That's where we find David. The prophet shows up. He says, are these all of your sons? And Jesse looked at him in verse 11. He said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So here we find David, overlooked and insignificant, sent to take care of the sheep, off in some distant pasture, off in some distant field. The fact that David wasn't summoned by his father tells a bigger story about yeah. David. Wow! It tells wow. a bigger story about Jesse, mm-hmm. that David had been discarded. Have you ever played cards? We've been getting into cards lately during quarantine because we've gone through every game you can possibly go through. And we're not video gamers because we have a life, but that's not important. <laughs> we 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 got into playing cards, and and if you ever play cards, almost every card game you lay the cards that have the highest value, you keep them in your hand, and you try to lay points down on the table. And the card that has the least value in your hand goes into a pile that is called the discard pile. It's the card you get rid of. It's the card you don't want. It's the card that will hurt you the most. And this is where we find David discarded to the pasture to watch some sheep and some of you right now who are watching feel like that like you've been discarded like you're in lost in obscurity that you've been dismissed that nobody cares nobody sees maybe because of somebody treated you because of something that was said to you by a parent or a coach or a teacher and now you've projected your feelings of these people onto God and you're wondering God do you even love me? You think maybe I'm lost in obscurity and no one will ever see me, but that's not the way that God works. In fact, the reason I'm preaching today is for you, the one who feels dismissed, the one who feels discarded, the ones who feels lost in obscurity that your day is coming. Your day is coming. So how will you respond when you feel dismissed? How will you respond when you feel discarded? How do you respond? And I think this is a question worth asking when you don't get what you want. What is your response when you don't get what you want? What is your response when your expectations are not met? What is your response when you experience failure? What is your response when the things that you were, were hoping for take longer to get to than you actually wanted to? That's where we find David lost seemingly in obscurity, dismissed by his father. Samuel shows up looking for the next king. But God is the defender of your purpose. God is the defender of your future. And Samuel says, you go get that boy. We won't even sit down until he comes here. Why? Because I came to do the Lord's work. And that's the way that God works for you. Samuel then sees David who walks in and God says, this is the young man. This is the future king, and he anoints him as the king. And what's sad about this story is his father sends him right back out to the pastures with his sheep. David was dismissed, but not disqualified. The second point that we can take from the scripture is that David turned dismissal into devotion. Write that down. David turned dismissal into devotion. I hope you're taking notes in our app today because that's worth writing down and probably the most important point of this story, and it's the setup for what God wanted to do in and through David with Goliath because he turned dismissal into devotion. Here we see a young boy, probably around the age of 15, who sun up to sundown, is out with the sheep, grazing and walking, walking and grazing. They would often send the youngest born child off to take care of the sheep. Sheep are dumb animals. They literally are. They will eat themselves to death. So the purpose and point of a shepherd is twofold, to protect them and to make sure they stop eating at a certain point. They move on from field to field so that the sheep will survive. Sun up to sundown, David is by himself with some sheep, dismissed, discarded, lost into obscurity, and something took place in those moments that set David up for his future. The youngest born with no inheritance, that's why they were dismissed. We don't have to raise this young boy up to take over the family business. He's really kind of pointless. He's like a discard that we don't need. And for most of us, when we would face moments like this in our life where we feel like all hope is lost, like everyone has forgotten about me, nobody can see me, in those moments, most of us slink back into obscurity. We give up on the hopes and the dreams that God placed in our life. We turn our back in frustration to God. We begin to question whether or not He actually called us in the first place. Why? Because I'm out here by myself. David, one of eight kids, a family, and yet every day, sun up to sundown, by himself with some sheep. This is where we find him. Probably doing so every day for between seven to 12 years. You, you've been complaining about quarantine that's only lasted for like 20 weeks. <laughs> Me too. We find David for years by himself. But he took this dismissal, and he passionately pursued God. It didn't become discouragement for him. It became devotion. What I love about David is that he didn't waste the moments Sometimes we're waiting for our big moment to show up and we waste the moments we're currently in. He took moments of discouragement and he turned them into moments of worship. The Bible said he would pick up his harp and he would worship God. In fact, he wrote most of the Psalms and I believe that the Psalms came from these times when he was just a young boy by himself with nothing else but sheep and the audience of one. And he would play the harp and worship God, not so that people could hear him play or hear him sing, but because he was falling passionately in love with Jesus. And my biggest concern with Christianity today is that Christianity has simply become an accessory to our life. Something that we wear, something that we do, and it's no longer who we are. We don't even know how to be in love with Jesus because he's simply an accessory to my life. I don't know how to commune with him. I know how to chalk up a Hail Mary when the crap hits the fan, but I don't even know how to be in love with him. And here we find David lost in obscurity by himself. Can you just imagine your father throwing you away and then saying, well, I guess what I'll do is just worship God all day. That rhymed, what the hay. Thanks for that horrible fake laugh, but that's all right. In the midst of obscurity, he bust open the prison doors of isolation and he joined the chorus of angels simply by worshiping. He became intimate with God. And I think sometimes we have a hard time saying that word because it feels weird, but it just means that there's a closeness, that I can't possibly get any closer than I am today, but I'm going to keep trying tomorrow. And he would worship God and he would be by himself and This went on every day for years because he didn't waste the moment. What's great about this story is that the moments that he didn't waste made a way for him. The Bible says the king Saul went crazy and some of his attendants said, hey, we, we need to get you a musician to bring some peace into the palace. And he said, great, go find me somebody. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. He didn't waste the moments. He spent it turning it into devotion to who God is, and it made a way for him to find his place in the palace. Some of you feel called, or you feel like you have a great future, but you're wasting the moment waiting for some big moment, and God's like, man, you're preventing me from making a way in your life. I wonder what would have happened if David hadn't practiced the harp. I wonder what would have happened in his life if if his dismissal didn't turn into devotion. I wonder if he would have made the way to the palace. If you feel dismissed, don't miss the moment. You may be preventing God from making a way. I think one thing we also find in the midst of the dismissal is that he was all in. He was all in with zero benefits to him. So he took care of these sheep, and he watched these sheep as if they were his own. The sheep were his responsibility, and he gave everything. He gave 100% for them. In fact, the Bible tells us that there would be lions and bears, but no tigers. And and they would show up and try to rip away the sheep. And it was in these moments that David would pull out his sling, and he would destroy or defeat the lions and the bears. And the Bible says he would pull the sheep from their mouth, and they weren't even his sheep. They, were, they belonged to the man who had discarded him. The sheep were not even his, and yet he took care of them as though they were his own. He recognized that what I have in my hand is the most valuable thing I can do is to give everything for it. And I think so often we only want to give everything when it has a benefit to me. We miss out on what God wants to do because we don't see things through the lens that God sees things all for a man who clearly discarded him and neglected him. He went all in for these sheep. This dismissal was turned into devotion. Can I just take a moment and take a break and and talk to some of you that are watching that maybe you're wandering in your faith, you're not sure what it is you believe. You need to know that Jesus went all in for you. Jesus went all in for you. He gave up everything simply for you, realizing there might be a day where all of humanity would neglect him. But he said, hey, Jesus said, I, I, you're worth it. Your past, your, your issues, your shame, it doesn't matter. I'm going to take everything. In fact, the Bible says that he considered it joy to crawl on the cross for you and for me. He went all in for you. And all we have to do is just surrender our life to him and experience the fullness of what he has. Why? Because God has a great plan and a purpose for your life. And there are some of you who are watching today and and you haven't begun the relationship with Jesus. And I want to take a moment and push pause in this message and talk just to you. If you're here and you're watching and that's you, then in just a moment I'm going to say a prayer. And I want to challenge you to make that prayer your own. Just say, the the words that I say, make it your own. And I believe you'll begin a journey with Jesus and you'll begin to see things unfold in your life you've never thought possible. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, wherever you're at. If you're here and you've never made this decision or perhaps you're running from God, today's the day to come running back. Why don't you make these words your own? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I know that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.